the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So as some of you may know, Bear Stearns has just received a loan from J.P. Morgan. Of course, we're going to have to wait and see how the markets react, but that should lay to rest any concerns about the bank's health. Well, I take it you have no plans to sell your $200 million in Bear stock? No. As a matter of fact, when we're done here, I'll probably go out and buy some more. For the opposing view, Mr. Baum. I got a stand for this. Okay, hi. My firm's thesis is pretty simple. Wall Street took a good idea, Louis Ranieri's mortgage bond, and turned it into an atomic bomb of fraud and stupidity that's on its way to decimating the world economy. How do you really feel? <laughs> I'm glad you still have a sense of humor. I wouldn't if I were you. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I have no problem telling someone they're wrong. But for the first time in my life, it's not so enjoyable. We live in an era of fraud in America, not just in banking, but in government, education, religion, food, even baseball. What bothers me isn't that fraud is not nice or that fraud is mean. It's that for 15,000 years, fraud and short-sighted thinking have never, ever worked. When the hell did we forget all that? I thought we were better than this. I really did. And the fact that we're not doesn't make me feel all right and superior. It makes me feel sad. And as fun as it is to watch pompous, dumb Wall Streeters be wildly wrong, and you are wrong, sir, I just know that at the end of the day, Average people are going to be the ones that are going to have to pay for all of this because they always do. That's my two cents. Thank you. And welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from the big short. Because I think uh, we're seeing all kinds of stuff that are similar now to what we saw in the big economic meltdown of 2008. And the whole idea that, hey, there's fraud going on in in uh, in finance, in uh, on Wall Street. There's fraud going on in the government. There's even fraud in baseball. And it's, uh, you know, fraud never works. Fraud never works. And at the, and eventually it's the, it's the, the little guy that ends up paying for it. And that's exactly what's going on now. We know that, we know that socialism doesn't work. We know that chaos doesn't work. We know that anarchy doesn't work, but we're going through all that stuff now in our country and across the world. And we know that you don't, you don't have peace through weakness. You have to have peace through strength. But we're doing we're doing all this peace. They're trying to get peace through weakness, and we're watching the the world melt down. But we don't learn anything. We don't learn anything in uh, by experience. And uh, if you've read my book, Experience Matters, how you know that's the whole subject of my whole book is uh, you know you have experiences, and you should learn learn from them, and you should learn from other people's experiences as well. So uh, if you haven't read my book, pick it up. Experience Matters. Here's mine on EdHoffman.net. So, uh, which I'm sure I'll mention that some other place in this, uh, in this, uh, show, um, because some, cause it's, uh, 
based on the size of what it took for me to share my experiences and that you could learn from. Um, that song was Someday Never Comes by Credence Clearwater Revival. You know, hey, you better, uh, you know, uh, daddy says that, uh, someday you'll understand, but you better, you better learn now. You better learn young because someday never comes. Now, someday, someday you'll understand. Someday you'll understand. You know, uh, we don't know how we'll, how things will be seen in history until later. Hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, you can see clear when you look at things in the past and see see what the result was, and we just don't see the clarity of of what's going on now. But I can tell you, it's not going to be looked at good. You know, people people that are trying to justify that what Biden's doing, uh, hey, Bidenomics is working. Things are all great. Look at the look at the data. No, look at your life. Look at your life. See what's see what the result is is from. Hey, you know the data shows that Bidenomics is helping things improve, and uh, you know you'll you'll see you'll see in hindsight you'll see what the what the effect of all this stuff was, and it's not going to be good. But uh, I'm going to talk about what's going on now, what's going on in this country, and uh, and what's going on across the world. And uh, and my opinion of it, and try to give you some clarity, some some perspective on what I see and what we hear. And before I do, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. Uh, if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, or code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me to talk about real estate finances and your situation and how it can be improved or if it can be improved, but you don't want to talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and uh, and put in how much information you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll, ha- you'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Uh, if there's part of the show you want repeated um, or you missed it one week, you can stay on edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page, and you can hear this show or several past shows and listen to them on demand, or you can go on, uh, get the sound, the podcast on SoundCloud or, uh, or, uh, Apple podcast or, uh, you know, iTunes, IE, the same thing. Um, Apple podcasts and used to be, they used to refer to it as, as, uh, iTunes. Now it's Apple podcast and you could, uh, subscribe for free, have it download automatically to your device, your computer, your phone. Your iPad, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your whatever, whatever kind of device you can listen to podcasts on. And it'll, uh, it'll uh, download automatically to your device. Um, I record on Friday mornings. It uploads, uh, somewhere on sometime Friday afternoon and it'll download shortly thereafter to your device. You can listen to it whenever it's convenient. If you have comments on the show, send me an e- email to ed at edhoffman.net. All right. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about what's going on in this country. And I use the financial clip because funding the government has been the subject this week in that uh, our our government was set to run out of money tomorrow morning, Saturday morning. Um, I'm recording on Friday morning, so that's tomorrow morning for me. Um, it was set to run out of, run out of money at that time, and our, we were facing a government shutdown. And, you know, let me, let me put something in perspective based on what I saw Friday morning on TV. Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, um, apparently because of all the illegal illegal immigrants that are being bused to him from Texas, and I'm sure other states when they're coming over across the board the border, and the governors of those states, uh, in that they can't the these states can't pick up the bill for all these illegal immigrants coming over, and so they are sticking them on buses and sending them to sanctuary cities across the country that. Say, hey, you know, we're, we should let all these people in because they're looking for a better life. And we're a sanctuary city. So we welcome them, but you know, they're way far away from the border. So they don't think it's ever going to hit them. And then, uh, governor of Texas decided, Hey, this is a, let's just do this. Let's put them on buses and send them to New York city, send them to Chicago, send them to Washington DC, send them to, to places where, uh, where they're all, they're all big mouth about, uh, Hey, we, we have to, we welcome them in until they get to their front lawn. And now Eric Adams is saying, hey, the, the the city can't afford this, so they're having to make cuts elsewhere. Wow, what a concept. 
you're spending money on things that you have to spend. So you've got to find ways to cut out other things because you can only, you can only spend the money you have. And he's complaining that he should have the, the state of New York and the federal government, uh, send money to New York City to pay the bills and which the federal government should, should send for that. But we taxpayers can't afford it either. And, uh, so he's saying that they're going to make this huge cut in the, in, uh, the, the police force and a bunch of other places. But you know what that's going to mean? They're going to cut down their, their police force. I don't know how big it is now, but they said it would only leave 30,000 cops in New York City. And, uh, that's going to just create chaos and it's going to, and it's just going to drive, drive the, the, the city of New York City, the New York City into the same place where San Francisco is a toilet. And for all you, gazillionaires that own property there you'll see the value of your properties go down as well so we're we're seeing the evidence of what happens when you don't uh, when you don't think about money so let's talk about what our government did less than 1 month into his tenure as speaker of the house mike johnson passed his first legislative test this week when his bill to avert government shutdown passed the house on tuesday and the senate on wednesday i'm not sure if if i would call that was a a test passed but he did get something done in time. Whether I agree with what he did, that remains to be seen. To help the bill get passed, Johnson used a congressional process called suspension of the rules that requires two-thirds margin. Uh, I'm not sure if that's any different than than uh, what the Democrats use called an exception to the rules or an exception to a bill. We'll, we'll use an exception so we can get past this because this law uh, prohibits us from what we're doing. We'll call it an exception. Well, the well the the House called it a suspension of the rules. Johnson made this change because it was clear there would not be enough Republican votes to pass the bill. Freedom Caucus hard right Republicans refused to allow it to proceed under a lower threshold without spending reductions, which we didn't get. Similar to what happened with Kevin McCarthy, the House vote was 336 to 95, and as was the case with uh, McCarthy's last continuing resolution in September. More Democrats voted for it than the Republicans did. So along with the 93 Republicans who voted no this time because they wanted more spending cuts, two Democrats voted against it, uh, and that would be Democrat Jake Ochenkloss of Massachusetts and Mike Quigley of Illinois, both of whom voted against it because it was a clean CR that didn't include a bunch of add-ons, namely more funding for Ukraine, God forbid we have a bill to keep the government open without stuffing it full of foreign aid. And, uh, you know, it, uh, and it passed the Senate 87 to 11, which is 98, which uh, apparently two uh, senators were missing. Uh, one Democrat, uh, voted against it because it didn't have money for Ukraine. And of course, uh, the other, the other 10, uh, were Republicans that said, no spending cuts. You're not getting my vote. Still passed anyway. Uh, Johnson, Passed another bill for Israel, and yes, probably, and and, and he intends to to uh, to pass another one for Ukraine separately, possibly before the end of the year. Of course, Biden said he would veto the bill if it didn't include include aid for Ukraine. He doesn't want to do it. Uh, and of course, you know, they passed it and had fourteen point three billion dollars for Israel. Not only will Biden veto it, but Chuck Schumer, the highest ranking Jew in the in the uh in the government hasn't even brought it to vote so uh i don't know i'm not sure how that sounds to uh how that sounds to uh israel when no one will support it even though they say they do let's talk about what this bill does it's a clean continuing resolution meaning it doesn't contain any spending cuts or additional provisions also known as policy riders that was the only way to get democrats to vote for it it's also a laddered CR, which means it has two tiers of deadlines, um, which apparently is nothing groundbreaking. I'll tell you about that in a second. The deadline, the deadline number one, January 19th, which is eight weeks away, uh, the new deadline to fund the appropriations bills for the Department of Agriculture, the FDA, uh, a military construction, veterans affairs, transportation, housing and urban development, and Department of Energy and Water. So there's eight weeks, eight weeks to get that one done, but 31 days of those eight weeks, the Congress is on, on vacation. 11 days for Thanksgiving and, uh, 
and uh, 20, 20 days for uh, for Christmas and New Year's. Deadline number two is February 2nd, two weeks later. The new deadline to fund appropriations bill for the Department of Defense, Department of Commerce, Department of Justice, Financial Services and General Government, Department of Homeland Security, Department of the Interior, Department of Labor, Department of Health and Human Services, and Department of Education. The legislative branch, which means pay for the Congress, members of Congress, and state and foreign operations. Guess what Democrats will try to stuff in there? I think we all know the answer. More aid for Ukraine. And, of course, uh, uh, Bob Menendez will want some more aid for Egypt. And, of course, uh, every other every other Democrat uh, senator and, uh, and congressperson uh, will want some separate some separate thing in there for the countries that are kicking back money to them. So long as so long as those twelve bills pass by those two deadlines, the government will stay open. Will all twelve bills pass on time? That remains to be seen, because Johnson will no doubt continue to be challenged by the same Republicans who want who want more cuts. And not to mention the Democrats um, will be all either all in or all out, because that's what they do. On Tuesday, the Freedom Caucus released a statement complaining that Johnson's CR contains no spending reductions, no border security, not a single meaningful win for the American people, which is typical of every continuing resolution because it says, hey, we can't, we can't get a, a agreement on anything. So we're just going to kick it down the, kick it down the road. So this is the continuing, continuing resolution, uh, which means we're able to keep spending money even though we haven't accomplished anything that was supposed to be accomplished before we could otherwise they would otherwise the spending would run out but mike johnson says this is the best way to keep the government open avoid the massive christmas eve omnibuses we're all used to seeing every year and address all of biden's recent supplemental promises separately here's speaker mike johnson defending the bill on tuesday matter cr the two step cr everybody calls it something different it's a new innovation but it's going to change the way we've done this. We have broken the fever. We are not going to have a massive omnibus spending bill right before Christmas. That is a gift to the American people because that is no way to legislate. It is not good stewardship. It's the reason we're in so much debt. That and, and you know, the effects of Bidenomics. But we have to change it. And so we've gotten together. I believe there's going to be bipartisan agreement on that to break it up and put it into January, January 19th for the first tranche of the bills and fe- uh, February 2nd for the rest. And that will allow us to go through the deliberative process in good faith. I'm going to take everybody at their word that we're doing this in good faith to do the appropriations process as it should be done. It should have been done before. That didn't seem to satisfy some of the, you know, arch conservatives in your conference. That's why the Freedom Caucus put out a statement yeah. that they were opposed. Chad, I'm one of the arch conservatives, okay? And I want to cut spending right now. And I would like to put policy writers on this. But when you have a three-vote majority, as we do right now, we don't have the votes to be able to advance that right now. So this allows us as conservatives to go into the fight on the next uh, the stages of this, to talk about real border changes, policies at the border, to close the southern border, to get it under control, to, to talk about the oversight that's necessary on additional Ukraine aid to get Israel done if they don't do it as we beg them to do. All these other matters in the supplemental, that puts us in the in the policy discussion and we'll, we'll have stringent fights on, on principle and philosophy and cuts as well. <laughs> Yeah, so what an innovation! They they split things up, uh, you know. They they split things up. It's like uh, uh, cleaning your house, you know. Hey, what an innovation! We split it into two parts. It's like no different. Hey, clean your house. Let's see. I gotta clean the kitchen, take out the trash, do laundry, and uh, and make the beds. Um, I know. Let's do it in two parts. First, we'll uh, take out. First, we'll clean the kitchen. And then we'll take out the trash because when we clean the kitchen, we're going to put trash in there. And then after that's all done, we'll go get the laundry started. And while the laundry's in the machine, I'll make the beds. What an innovation they did by splitting it into two parts. And, of course, they say this is a gift to the American people. I think it's more of a gift to Congress so they can go on vacation. But with the Freedom Caucus and the other hard-right Republicans being opposed to anything that doesn't contain spending cuts... Could he face the same fate as Kevin McCarthy? Johnson says he isn't worried. Are you concerned at all that this could make your speakership any less secure? I'm not concerned about it at all. And, and Kevin it take, should take no blame for that. Kevin was in a very difficult situation when that happened. This is a different situation. The innovation that we've created, this new vehicle that the Democrats initially said was so frightening, 
actually turns out to be something that will change the way we do this. And so this is a very different situation. We're, we're taking this into the new year to finish the process and get back to the, the original way that this is supposed to work. And by the way, the House Republican Conference is committed to never being in this situation again. I'm done with short-term CRs. We are. We're resolved. So what that means is you're going to see in the beginning of this next year, we'll be walking and chewing gum at the same time. We're going to get the appropriations process running on time as it's supposed to be under law. The Budget Control Act of 1974 has very specific provisions in there on how this is to be done. Congress hasn't done that for as long as we can remember. But we're going to get back to that because that's good stewardship. The American people deserve it. And the debt situation we find ourselves in necessitates that. Yeah, this is uh, this is very different. This is very different than what uh, McCarthy went through. So, uh, plus many hard hard hardline Republicans are saying that even though they they voted no on Johnson's continuing resolution, they don't plan to give him the Kevin McCarthy treatment. For some reason, Neil Cavuto interviewed just about every one of them this week. Here are two of them: Mark Green of Tennessee and Nancy Mace of South Carolina. On this uh, possibility of a shutdown and the new speaker trying to avoid it, potentially with the help of Democrats that, if you think about it, doomed the last speaker. Are you worried? No, I'm not worried. It's a clean CR. So guys like myself, Freedom Caucus, we're going to we're going to vote no on it. But uh, I think he has the votes. It'll pass and uh, we'll we'll keep going. Some people interpreted that that you, you, you're set to turn on on Mike Johnson, the speaker. Uh, they say the same way you did. On Kevin McCarthy. What do you say to that? Well, this situation we're in today is certainly not Mike Johnson's problem. This was created by former leadership who are no longer in leadership today. But he this did is the exact problem. same thing, Congresswoman, right? I mean, he appealed well, to I Democrats don't think he was... to get it to, to the finish line. Did he have any other choice, though, Neil, to do that? I don't think he did. did, did He's Kevin in a very McCarthy tenuous situation. Did he have any other choice when he did it? Oh, Kevin McCarthy had all the choices in the world. He promised a budget. He promised that we would cut spending. He promised 12 appropriations bills done in time so we could avoid a continuing resolution. This is all Kevin McCarthy's problem created by him uh, for this country. And Mike Johnson is is playing the hand that he was dealt, and I believe that next year he will do a much better job than the former speaker. The last measure that Kevin McCarthy came up with uh, that doomed him, you don't see that being repeated. We wanted the border on there, uh, and so I think our statement to make to the speaker is, look, let's get something for this. But uh, I think he's going to get some grace uh, that, that maybe Speaker McCarthy had already expired. Well, I don't see any difference between what Johnson did and what Kevin McCarthy did. They both didn't cut any, cut any spending and both of them, uh, both of them just kicked the can down, down the road. Hey, let's just kick it down the road, uh, two months. Um, the only difference I do see between, uh, McCarthy and Johnson is Johnson didn't have time to really negotiate this, um, because they spent a month trying to elect a, uh, a speaker of the house. So we wasted a month there as, as well as, uh, you know, and then, then of course they wasted all that time censuring, uh, Rashida Tlaib while I think she needed to be censured. But in the long run, in the, in the bottom line is, you know, all she did was get censured. They just passed the thing, said she was censured, didn't do anything to her. She didn't lose any, any, uh, spots on committees and she didn't get, have any punishment. She wasn't fined, really didn't do anything to her, but. Uh, tie up, tie up time and, and maybe embarrass her a little bit on TV. That's it. Other than that, didn't do anything. So they didn't have time to actually run the business of the American people. So that's the only difference I see. And, uh, bottom line is, uh, basically what they're doing is going to change the same thing to eight weeks from now because eight weeks. So out of eight weeks, Hey, you know, they're taking off, taking off today. Or I think they took off today, um, right after they did that for Thanksgiving. They won't be back until after Thanksgiving. And then, uh, they work a couple of weeks and then they're gone for uh, 20 days, at, you know, before Christmas, a week before Christmas and the week between Christmas and New Year's, they don't come back till the third. So they're gone 31 days and that's going to leave them, um, about two weeks. So they won't even, I don't even think they'll start. And then they're, then it's going, they're going to, posture the the democrats are going to say no way we're not agreeing with it and the republicans are say well we'll let the the government shut down and i don't see i don't see either one anything happening without a government shutdown at some point before actually any anybody gives in gives in anything and then of course when the first part gets done there's two more weeks until the second part gets done 
I think this is all just blowing smoke up our butts and uh, they're not really going to, they're not really accomplishing anything by this and all uh, they're just kicking it down the road so they can go on vacation for the holidays. So uh, anyway, I got lots more to talk about on this, but uh, I'm all out of time for this half of the main event. So uh, stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, commercials, and uh, I'll be back with lots more going on right after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event right here on AM590 The Answer. Mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher, and credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget, not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman and MLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation and MLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about mortgages and finance, uh, but if you're starting to ponder where you are with your with your uh, with your mortgage, with your financing, with your debt, you know the the uh, the debt credit card debt across America just hit 1.08 trillion, the highest in history. So my my uh, my assumption is that everybody's at their own personal high in history unless you've uh unless you're one of the few that have learned to manage your debt and uh manage your debt manage your spending according to uh what kind of money you come in so maybe maybe all the conservatives out there they're not in any trouble and all the and all the liberals and the democrats they're just double in trouble because uh they drove up the uh the uh credit card debt to uh, all-time highs, but if uh, if you have debt you want to get rid of, if you have uh, finances you want want to rearrange, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. That's eight five five six four zero twenty twenty, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo. We'll do the cyber thing. Also, if you're over sixty two and you have uh, and you have more equity in your house than you have uh, years left in your life, and you'd like to see how you can use that again. 855-640-2020 or edhoffman.net. Click on United American Mortgage logo. So uh, let's talk about some more stuff, what's going on, what's going on in this country. Uh, so uh, there was a string of odd altercations in Congress this week, all of them happening on Tuesday. The first ironically involved recently ousted Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Freedom Caucus member Tim Burchett of Tennessee, one of the eight Republicans who voted for McCarthy to vacate the speakership, accused him of assault. Well, not that kind of assault, but Burchett certainly seemed to think it was a big deal. According to Burchett, McCarthy elbowed him in the kidneys in a congressional hallway while he was talking to an NPR reporter. And immediately after that, he spent about half an hour talking to CNN. Yes, really. Here's part of that interview. Explain to us what happened with you and Kevin McCarthy. Well, I was doing an interview um, with um, Claudia from NPR, uh, a lovely lady, and she was asking me a question. And, and at that time, I uh, got elbowed in the back, and it kind of caught me off guard because it was a clean shot to the kidneys. And I turned back, and there was there was Kevin. And um, and I, I, for a minute, I was kind of, what the heck just happened? And then I, um, you know, I, I chased after him, of course. He's a... Uh, as I've stated many times, he's a he's a bully with seventeen million dollars in a security detail. You know, he's the type of guy that, when you're a kid, would throw a rock over the fence and run home and hide behind his mama's skirt. And he just, you know, he he uh, 
from behind, that kind of stuff. And so you chased him? What do you mean you chased well, him? I just ran after him. I was like, what the heck? You know, why'd you do that? You know, because it was, uh, like I said, it, if you've ever been hit in the kidneys, it's a little little different. You don't have to hit very hard to cause a little bit of pain, a lot of pain. And and so I, and he just, of course, um, as he always did, does, he just uh, denies it or uh, uh, blames somebody else or something, you know, and it was just a, little heated, but I just backed off because there wasn't any, I saw no reason. I wasn't gaining anything from it. And everybody saw it, so it didn't really matter. Really? Everybody saw it, but nobody got it on tape. But since Burchett was talking to Claudia Grisales of NPR, a lovely lady, uh, when this altercation happened, she got it on tape. So we have audio, but it actually raises more questions than answers. See what you think. Sorry, Kevin. Didn't mean to elbow. Why'd you elbow me in the back, Kevin? Oh, no, I felt so bad. Hey, Kevin, you got any guts? Jerk. Has he done that before? No. Huh. You got no guts. You did so. They sat there and the reporter said it right there. What kind of chicken move is that? You're, you're pathetic, man. You are so pathetic. What a jerk. You need security, Kevin. What I wonder about is we cut out the part where you hear Birchett's footsteps running towards McCarthy. And what bothers me a little bit is how they get him so clear on the mic. Was he wearing a clip-on wireless mic so he ran and it was still being recorded? Uh, or did or did Claudia Grisales run with him? Uh, it just seems peculiar to me. As Birchett was outside talking to CNN, reporters swarmed around Kevin McCarthy to get his comments. No, I did not elbow him. No, I would not elbow him. I would not hit him in a kidney. HC5, you're all down there, right? Not a very big hallway. So I'm walking out. You could talk to Bruce Westerman, because I actually called him after you guys reported something. I said, did I hit somebody? Bruce Westerman and I were walking out. And I guess the reporter was interviewing Burchard or something. I guess our shoulders hit, because Burchard runs up to me after. I didn't know what he was talking about. Some reporters asked me. I did not run and hit the guy. I did not kidney punch him. I did not shoot anything like that. If I, hit, if I would hit somebody, they would know I hit him. He said he, 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 said, he said he was in pain that you hit him oh, so hard. come on now. That's what he said. Yeah, I think it's a bunch of little silly elementary school kids. It just seems just seems dumb to me. You know, what? as as McCarthy says, uh, you know, you got 435 people coming out of the out of the uh, the their, their room and into a hallway, and I imagine there's probably two or three uh, doors into the hallway, and it's and it's crowded. And then there's a reporter uh, with a microphone and a guy, and someone's trying to squeeze by. Seems kind of petty. These guys probably just are uh, taunting each other because McCarthy's kind of mad that he he did stuff. You know, it just it's I don't I'm not sure why the news is is spending so much time on this. Congressional alteration number two on Tuesday was between two members we've seen a lot of lately. House Oversight Chairman James Comer, who, of course, uh, we know is leading the investigation on uh, Biden crime family, and uh, Democrat Jared Moskowitz of Florida, one of the Democrats who's been speaking out against the current wave of anti-Semitism sweeping the nation because he's he's Jewish. And, of course, uh, you know, the anti-Semitism is just anti-Jewish. Moskowitz must be getting flat from his fellow Democrats for going on Fox News so much lately because he made up for it by taunting Comer during a hearing on oversight of the U.S. General Services Administration. They're having some kind of a hearing on uh, what the uh, FBI is spending on furniture. Uh, Moskowitz attempted to call Comer a hypocrite for investigating Joe Biden's so-called loan to his brother because Comer's family farm in Kentucky is an LLC, which the media thinks is the same thing as a shell corporation or something like that. This is about two and a half minutes of the five-minute exchange. The chairman mentioned something, actually. He said that the Biden administration can't have it both ways. And I agree with that, Mr. Chairman, um, which is why I'm happy to yield you some of my time today, Mr. Chairman, because I think you owe it to the American people to explain why you've gone on Fox News and told people that while the president was out of office, he, he had a loan with his brother, and in a way they were evading taxes. It has come out in the public that you also do business with your brother with potential loans. And so since you have framed that and manipulated that with the American people, that Joe Biden did something wrong when he wasn't in office, I just would like to know if you would like to use some of my time. I would love, I would love it. You retweeted that story. Completely false. I've never loaned my brother one penny. My father, who is a dentist, 
had some farmland. He died, and my brother couldn't afford. He wanted to sell it, but he wanted to keep it in the family, so I bought it from my brother. That story that you tweeted also said I had a shell company. You know, they tried to get, the White House tried to get CNN to write that story. They went around and investigated all this that Ian Sams is trying to tell people that only dumb, financially illiterate people pick up on and said that uh, it was a shell company because it was an LLC. They're so financially illiterate that you think because something says LLC, it's a shell company. I'm one of the largest landowners in my home area, okay? I went to the bank, and I borrowed money, and I bought that land. I didn't get wires from Romania, China. My family doesn't get wires. But you and Goldman, who is Mr. Trust Fund, continue to try to discredit. No, I'm not going to give you your time back. We can stop the clock. You all continue to, you look like a smurf here just going around and all this stuff. Now listen. Mr. Chairman, you no, have, I'm you, tell you no, no, something. hold on. If we're, you if we're not on time, we you disinformation. You, you, you have you gone on TV and you said the president did something you illegal. You're doing stuff with your brother. The American people have the same questions. Why should they believe you? Why should they believe you? Why should they believe you? There's, there's a different rule for the president. There's a different rule for you. Why should they believe what you're saying, Mr. Chairman? Why? You go on Fox News and say loans you and deals are a way to evade taxes. We don't know that's what you're doing or not. We don't know. We have no idea. We're supposed to take your word for it. But when the president well, you've says already something, been proven a liar, Mr. Moskowitz. What's that? You've already been proven a liar. Today. Who's proven me a liar? You? Yes. Well, I don't know that I've ever heard Comer say that uh, that the wires and the the so-called loans uh, were between brothers were or a way to evade taxes. I've heard him say that, hey, this is a way of laundering money from foreign governments and uh, selling influence in the American government to people from other countries. I don't know where this all, where this all goes, but clearly, clearly Moskowitz is, is searching. And of course, that little Smurf thing, eh, people say, people say stupid stuff when, uh, I, I think about when, uh, when, uh, during the 2016 uh, primaries and, and Trump made the comment about, Hey, you know, to, he was talking to arguing with Rubio. Maybe that was the day that he said something about, uh, Trump having small hands and, uh, he's arguing and, and Rand Paul jumped in something and, and, uh, and Trump said, I haven't even talked about your appearance and there's a lot of subject matter on that. Just dumb stuff. Just dumb stuff that comes out of people's mouth when they're arguing in front of other people and trying to, uh, trying to, uh, uh, get the upper hand. You know, we all say dumb stuff if you catch us at the right, at the right times, but clearly Moskowitz is, is, is reaching in and, and as Comer said, trying to appeal to people that have, uh, no financial literacy. And finally, we have the Senate hearing showdown between Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma, a freshman senator who was elected to fill in Jim Inhoff's uh, seat last year and Sean O'Brien, president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. So Mullen is a frequent critic of unions, which of course Teamsters president is not going to like. This was the second time O'Brien has testified before the Senate Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee, of which Bernie Sanders is the chairman. O'Brien tweets nasty comments about Mullen and Mullen, who was an MMA cage fighter before his election, had had enough. Now, let's talk about Mr. O'Brien himself, his behavior, as everybody knows in this hearing. The last time, <laughs> him and I kind of had a back and forth. But after you left here, you got pretty excited about the keyboard. In fact, you tweeted at me one, two, three, four, five times. And let me read what the last one said. Um, it said, greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. Or I wish he was in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company myself and my wife was running the office because I sure remember working pretty hard in long hours. Pretends like he's self-made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. If you want to run your mouth... We can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. 
You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, oh, stop it. Is that your solutionary problem? No, no, sit down. Oh, no, you're a clown. Sit down. Okay. You're, no, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Active. Oh, okay, okay. Sit down, please. All right. Can I respond? Mr. Hold Senate. it. Hold it. If hold we can't... No, I have the mic. Said. I'm sorry. This is hold what it. he said. You'll have your time. Okay. Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> this is a hearing. And God knows the American people have enough of contempt for Congress, let's not I don't make like it worse. Thugs and you, you have, and you have, I don't like you because you just described yourself. Yeah, hold it. Well, this just shows that even at eighty-two, at eighty-two years old, Bernie Sanders is clear thinking and aware of enough, aware of enough, of what they look like to the American people. Democrat socialist has to be the the one adult in the room here to uh, say act like act like adults. And, uh, you know, you're not allowed to choose everybody off and meet me behind the all city backstop after school today. And we'll, t- we'll, we'll, uh, clear this up. Um, and I think there was a, I think there was a, I think there was some of that going on between Biden and Trump, uh, in the, in the 2016 election. Hey, yo, I'd like to take him out back and, and, uh, and do something to him. Bi- Biden, I just think Biden's, uh, Biden is, uh, again, Trying to be tough, saying stuff that, saying stuff that people say that's just stupid at the time. Uh, and, uh, and I, and I think about this. Here's a guy who's, 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 uh, who he says he's a self-made millionaire because he built his own, uh, plumbing company and got rich and, uh, built his company from the scratch the way, the same way I did. And when people see you that you're, that you're successful, sometimes they want to just think, Hey, you got lucky. You got lucky. And I always say, Hey, yeah, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And so I could see where he takes offense of that. And of course, uh, the guy who runs the, runs the Teamsters. And, and in my opinion, labor unions are ways to just, just, uh, skim money off the top of, uh, of, uh, people's pay, um, in the, in the, uh, in an honorable, in an honorable looking fashion. Um, and, and I thought about this during the United Auto Workers strike that, uh, if you read Lee Iacocca's, uh, book, uh, where have all the leaders gone, uh, back in, uh, 2012 or 14, somewhere there. And he talked about how the labor unions were the only reason, the, the only reason that, uh, General Motors and Ford and Chrysler, who sold just as many how just as many cars as Toyota did in those previous years and, and Toyota made huge amounts of profit and, and the American car companies lost money. And it was all because of all the labor unions. And if you could just get rid of the labor union contracts that, um, these companies could operate as a profit at a profit and be profitable at the level of business that they do. And of course, uh, the opportunity to, to have done that is when they went through bankruptcy, but instead of letting the, the bankruptcy, um, go how how they go and contracts could have been broken and instead Obama stepped in and gave control of the of the three of the well Chrysler and uh, and General Motors 55% of the control of them to the United Auto Workers which is the exact opposite with what needed to happen so anyway this is how this is how things go with labor unions and here's a here's a guy who's a self-made self-made man talking to a labor leader and uh Acting like children. So anyway, let's talk about President Biden. He met with Chinese President Xi Jinping on Wednesday at the Asia Pacific Economic Cooperation or APEC forum in San Francisco. As you may have heard, Governor Gavin Newsom, who spent a ridiculous seven days in China just a few weeks ago, made sure that the streets of San Francisco were cleaned up for Xi's visit. Where did all the homeless people go? I'm going to say, where did all the California taxpayers money go? They spent $1 billion cleaning up basically four block, uh, perimeter of, uh, where the, where the foreign leaders would come through so they wouldn't see all the mess. Where did all the homeless people go that were there? We don't know, but their, but their encampments were cleaned off the streets like magic. Graffiti was scrubbed off the walls, covered or covered by freshly painted murals. And the city even added new decorative crosswalks in busy areas and, uh, not to mention 1,000 new trees planted. They really rolled out the red carpet for the leader of the Chinese Communist Party, and Gavin Newsom did not apologize for it. Anytime you put on an event, 
by definition, you know, you have people over your house, you're going to clean up the house. Uh, you're going to make sure the kids you know, make their beds. I was just with President Xi. First thing he talked about was San Francisco. First thing he remembered was the Golden Gate Bridge when he's here in 1985. Should have seen the smile on his face. I mean, this this is universe places beloved. And its best days are in front of it, not behind it. Yeah, all evidence to the contrary. You know, he's comparing homeless people living in the streets to having your kids clean up their rooms before you have a family over. Biden and she had not spoken at all. That includes no phone calls since they met in Indonesia last year. Since then, we've had spy balloons, the discovery of Chinese secret police stations in cities across America, more Chinese fentanyl flooding over our borders, and China strengthening its relationship with Iran, which just happens to be the state sponsor of terror funding Hamas and Hezbollah war on Israel. So there's a lot of the president should be saying it to the Chinese president. But Biden made it clear ahead of the meeting that none of that was on the table. There was also zero indication from the White House that Biden would talk to Xi about the fact that the government scientists created COVID. Yes, that's all water under the bridge. Uh, maybe that's because it was planned to uh, create a all-mail-in election in 2020 to get rid of Trump. Instead, Biden spoke about his goals for the meeting with Xi, like they were two teenagers in a dating relationship or maybe even two two divorced parents uh, trying to get along because they have to raise kids simultaneously. To get back on a normal course of corresponding, being able to pick up a phone and talk to one another if there's a crisis, being able to make sure our military still have contact with one another. We can't take, as I told you, we're not trying to decouple from China. But we're, what we're trying to do is change the relationship for the better. He doesn't want to decouple. He wants to de-escalate. As we all waited for uh, Biden to emerge from his nap on Wednesday night, we heard from Senator Tom Cotton on what we should be concerned about. Uh, I don't think we need to wait for Joe Biden to know that this summit was bad for America. The only question is whether it was catastrophic for America. We've seen for months abject appeasement of the Chinese communists by President Biden, for instance, turning the other cheek on China's spy balloon or they're hacking into our government computer systems or their continued cheating on trade deals. I bet they didn't raise the origins of the coronavirus pandemic in Wuhan, almost certainly from Chinese communist-controlled labs. Everything that Biden has done leading up to this summit has been about setting the mood music, if you will, for smooth relations with a communist adversary for Joe Biden's reelection. Another thing we saw today at the outset of this summit that's very troubling is just a couple seats down from Joe Biden is John Kerry. Not the Secretary of Defense, but John Kerry, the special envoy for climate change. It goes to show you what Joe Biden's priorities are when dealing with the Chinese. It's not American jobs. It's not American safety. It's getting a climate change deal with China, which, of course, they would cheat on. So I think the only question we need to know now is just what did Joe Biden agree to give away behind closed doors today to decide whether this was merely bad or catastrophic for America? How I perceive this is uh, Biden is afraid of offending Xi uh, because China has has us depending on them for everything because their people work cheaper. So their people. So, you know, instead of instead of buying everything cheap from China, we could just have all our medications manufactured in America. They'd be a little bit more expensive. But how's life now? How about our how about. Everything else, our electronics would be a little bit more expensive, but they'd be manufactured here. Parts for parts for uh, cars, they'd be manufactured here. They'd be a little bit more expensive, but we wouldn't depend on them for our supply chain of things. So Biden's afraid he's going to offend them, and then all of a sudden we're screwed. Finally, Biden emerged around 8 p.m. for a press conference. That's how we know there was no talk of COVID, spying, or supporting Iran. But she did agree to, quote, unquote, curb their role in America's fentanyl epidemic, not stop their role in, in America's fentanyl epidemic, but just uh, yeah, curb it. Let's just slow it down. Uh, they're going to reduce their exports of the precursor chemicals and the pill presses used to make fentanyl. I'm pleased to announce that after many years of being on hold, we are restarting cooperation between the United States and PRC on counter-narcotics. In 2019, you may remember... China took action to greatly reduce the amount of fentanyl shipped directly from China to the United States. But in the years since that time, 
The challenge has evolved from finished fentanyl to fentanyl chemical ingredients and, and pill presses, which are being shipped without control. And by the way, some of these pills are being inserted in other drugs like cocaine. A lot of people are dying. We're taking action to significantly reduce the flow of precursor chemicals and pill presses from China to the Western Hemisphere. It's going to save lives, and I appreciate President Xi's commitment on this issue. Well, I don't know that he committed to anything, but he said in 2019, they, they, they stopped the flow in. Well, that was when Trump was in office. But since then, since Biden came into office, it's flowing across the border. And, uh, and my, and my, my, uh, my, uh, wonder is why do they lace cocaine with fentanyl? You know, uh, cocaine is a, uh, is an upper and fentanyl is a paint is a, synthetic pain medication which is a downer uh i read up on it apparently it's because the uh it makes the cocaine or whatever else they mix mix fentanyl into more addictive so uh hey so who knows who knows not being in not being a druggie i'm not sure all this stuff how it all works but what is uh what does any of this uh promise from china from china mean nothing hey so i'm all out of time for this episode of the main event so uh have a have a great Thanksgiving next week. Uh, my show will be playing after it. And uh, thanks for listening to the main event. And I'll be back again with you next week. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event right here on AM590 The Answer. Mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher. And credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget. Not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. And click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.